This is Bob Cudmore, and this is the Historian's Podcast. We welcome Mary Zawacki, curator of the Schenectady County Historical Society. How are you doing, Mary? I'm doing very well, thank you. The Historical Society in Schenectady has really been active lately. I mean, would you agree? I mean, I don't know how long you've been there, but has it been kind of a, a, a surge of activity there? It certainly seems that way. Um, I've been here for about a year and a half, and uh, it really seems like we've we've definitely increased the the depth and the variety of programs that we offer here. Just about every week we have something going on, uh, everything from workshops and concerts to large special events, and of course tours, behind the scenes tours, uh, specialized tours, walking tours, just about anything you can imagine. Uh, we're trying to develop it and make it successful here at the Historical Society. I mean, this uh, podcast uh, is uh, paid attention to by uh, historic folks all around New York State who might be scratching their heads. How do, how do you do that? I mean, uh, one way I understand is you've been fairly generously endowed in recent years. Um, that is true. That is true. Um, the, so we here at the Historical Society, we have two sites. We have our museum and library, which is located right in the stockade. And then about six miles west of Schenectady, we've got the Maybe Farm Historic Site, which is uh, the Mohawk Valley's oldest house. Um, there's a farm there and also a brand new education center. When the farm was uh, donated to us um, by sort of the last descendant in that line, he did also endow us um, with some money, which enables us to do exhibits and to develop new programs and all kinds of things like that. So we are very fortunate in that sense, yes. And there's a, a broad spectrum of history that you deal with in Schenectady County, maybe starting with this farm. I mean, this is a, really a, a significant location. Yeah, we, we, t we, we definitely endeavor to tell um, all the stories of Schenectady County, of its history, of its people, of its cultures. Um, the farm, uh, I, I wouldn't say necessarily that Schenectady's history starts with the farm. It definitely starts more with, with the stockade, uh, which was settled about 50 years before the farm was. Um, but the farm really is, is where we can tell the stories of Schenectady County's agricultural history and look at, in depth at a family that lived there, really lived there for just about 300 years and the changes they saw in our country, um, you know, as, as time flowed by, uh, as as things changed on the Mohawk River, the farm is located right on the banks of the Mohawk. Your other uh, site is located in uh, the historic uh, stockade. Uh, Schenectady is a, a very old uh, settlement, and it's uh, known, among other things, for the 1690 massacre and, and burning of Schenectady. Right, that's absolutely correct. In fact, uh, the stockade has the highest concentration of historic homes um, anywhere in the country, there's over 40 in a very small, you know, four to six block radius. Um, so a lot of a lot of different architectural styles are really packed in there. And yes, you're right. In um, in 1690, about 30 years after Schenectady was first settled, it was the site of really quite a vicious uh, and violent attack. Um, the population at the time was about 300, so we're talking a very small village. Um, 60 people that night um, were killed. Uh, just about all the buildings were burnt to the ground, and another 30 were taken um, hostage and kidnapped and uh, taken back up to France, um, where some of them lived for a while, and some of them also eventually made their way back down to Schenectady. But that's definitely kind of uh, an important point in Schenectady's history. Mm. And uh, Schenectady, again, has a, has a varied history. Um, the stockade is much beloved, I would say, but also beset with problems. I mean, uh, it's kind of, in one way or another, in the news constantly about the flooding that occurs there. 
Right, that's true. That's true. There is there is flooding that happens. Um, I think it is important to note that it's not the entire neighborhood. Um, it's just certain parts of the neighborhood. And in the past couple of years, we have been very lucky that we've been able to avoid that, although it is always a worry for people whose homes are located close to the river. Now, in the in the stockade, the Historical Society has the Grimm's Doolittle Library and the Schenectady History Museum. Yes. I gather yep. that you have a, uh, I don't mean to interrupt you, I'm sorry, you, you have a uh, historic building, but you've also added to it? Well, that's an interesting question. Um, so the building in which the museum is housed uh, was built in 1895. It was really only a private residence for a couple of years before it became the GE Women's Club. And then it became the Historical Society. And for a long time, the house was interpreted as a historic house. Now we have moved away from that model of interpretation, and we try to focus the various rooms of the house not so much on you know, um, furnishings, but rather on standalone exhibits. So right now we have a number of exhibits that speak to all different um, parts of Schenectady's history. We have a textile exhibit that looks at uh, Schenectady, a night out on the town. We have an immigration exhibit in the old uh, parlor of the house, which looks at all the different ethnic groups that came and, and made up Schenectady and uh, contributed to its landscape today. And we have an exhibit about beer upstairs also. Um, the stockade was definitely a location for a lot of breweries throughout its history, and it still is today. We still have a brewery here. So we, we try to incorporate as many aspects of Schenectady's history as we can to tell, to tell the diverse and broad stories, and also, of course, to connect them to today, to show you know, how Schenectady's history has led us to where we are as a county as a, and as a city today. Um, the building has had many additions put on, including uh, the Grimstoodle Library, um, which is connected to the house. Um, you can access both through the same entrance. Um, yeah, and that is a great source for exploring genealogy and just researching local history. Mm. We'll talk some uh, with an, another guest in the Society about uh, genealogy in a little while. Uh, but uh, let me say... If I understand this correctly, maybe before uh, you changed to these sort of thematic exhibits about dress or, or making beer, you, you were perhaps showing in uh, the original building what the furnishings were from the colonial era or something like that, Revolutionary War era? Right, we, and we do still have a lot of those furnishings. Um, one of the rooms upstairs still is laid out as a, you know, a home interior, um, and you can see many of the... What's, what's really interesting about it is uh, it's all furniture that's actually from Schenectady County, and it's from one home in Schenectady County, the Glenn Sanders house over in Scotia. Um, we received a number of pieces of furniture and other artifacts from them in the 1960s and 70s when that house was sold. Um, so they've never been out of the county. They all have excellent provenance, and they really are a great primary source for looking at how um, a family, of course, an upper-class family, would have would have lived and the things they would have used and owned in their home. Um, so that's always fascinating. One of the more interesting artifacts we have in that collection is a senility cradle, which basically, if you picture a children's cradle, um, except 10 times larger, it was for a member of the family who, the story goes, could only sleep at night if he was lo uh, rocked in his cradle. And the cradle also has handles on it, and family lore goes that people would use the handles to carry him in the cradle down to the banks of the Mohawk, which he found very comforting and relaxing. Uh, so definitely some unusual pieces of Schenectady's history um, on display in the museum as well. Mm. And uh, as a Glenvillian or somebody who lives in Glenville, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you have some of the furnishings from the Glenn Sanders mansion. I've always been, uh, not always, but I mean, I, I've heard tales that the... Uh, 
the folks, uh, the Rockefellers, the folks that uh, created Williamsburg, Virginia, uh, got a lot of the furnishings. Yeah, that's that's a great point. In fact, um, when the furnishings went for sale, they all went to Colonial Williamsburg, um, which I, I think shows if, if if an institution as prestigious as Colonial Williamsburg was interested in acquiring them, it shows the significance of the pieces. Uh, over the years, the Historical Society um, raised money to buy some of those pieces back from Colonial Williamsburg. You know, some of them were duplicates or things that Williamsburg wasn't necessarily interested in keeping. Um, so some of the collection is here in Schenectady, and some of it is down in Virginia. Mm. But the uh, exhibits you, you mentioned that are in the museum uh, now, the one about dress and, uh, and, and beer and so forth, I mean, that's the kind of history, honestly, that I, uh, that I enjoy. And it, that's another... Uh, you know, it's more modern. It's it's just something you, uh, from the past hundred or two years, and uh, just to see how we're evolving as as peoples in the in our in our part of the world. Uh, I don't want to put you on the spot about let's say the fashion exhibit, but I would think that'd be very interesting. And in that uh, Schenectady is sort of provincial. You know, it's out there in upstate New York, but it it also was the headquarters of this. And, well, it's no longer the headquarters, but it was at one time of this major corporation, uh, General Electric. So these were real uh, captains of uh, industry and, uh, well, let's, let's face it, their wives. And I imagine that uh, there was uh, quite a bit of an emphasis on fashion here. Yes, definitely. Um, my, my colleague here, Caitlin, she was the curator for that exhibit, and I think she could speak more in depth about that part of Schenectady's history. Okay, well, we'll we'll get to that in a moment. Then I I noticed that you also have had or have an exhibit called Boomtown. You know, focusing on the industries and Schenectady's big industries of the industrial age, General Electric, and also the Alco plant, which uh, you know fascinates so many people because it's uh, you know people just like railroads. Yes, definitely, definitely. I myself am one of them. Um, yeah, the Alco plant was a huge employer in Schenectady, you know, one of the big two, Alco and GE. Alco preceded GE. Um, when, we, when we were doing the research for it, it was funny to see kind of the secondhand sources from the time period saying, um, so you have to remember, of course, that a lot of the employees in these plants were immigrants that were coming in from different countries. And the different plants, depending on um, what divisions, what division you were working in kind of had um, specific ethnic groups in mind that they preferred to hire for specific jobs. Um, so you have a lot of Germans and Irish who are working at Alco. Of course, Germans and Irish are immigrating to Schenectady a little bit before other groups like Polish and Italian um, and Jewish groups from Eastern Europe. Um, so that, you know, it makes sense that they would be employed there in the beginning. And then um, we also have heard sources that both plants, GE and Alco, really like to hire Poles, immigrant Poles coming in because they were perceived to be uh, quite sturdy workers, um, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, before we uh, move on to uh, Mike Maloney of uh, the Schenectady County Historical Society, anything you'd like to uh, bring up that we haven't addressed? Sure, yeah. I would like to say that the Historical Society, we also operate the Maybe Farm, like I said, out in Rotterdam Junction. And this Friday, we have a brand new exhibit, um, which is opening up. You said that you're interested in kind of exhibits that connect us to the present day, like beer. Uh, this one, I think, does much of the same thing. It's a focus on local food. It's called Local Eats, What Does Your Food Say About You? Uh, and it explores the answers to questions like, uh, did America's coffee habit start with the revolution? What's the answer to that? How did home cooks help win World War II? How are hunger and obesity connected? 
and uh, a couple of interactives. How well can you twist a pretzel? Of course, the pretzel was brought over to this area from the early Dutch settlers. Uh, so it really looks at kind of all kinds of food ways, starting with, um, with, with the Mohawks that were here first and continuing all the way up to present day. Very good. And how long will that exhibit to be there? That will be up for about six months. Well, Mary Zawacki from the Schenectady County Historical Society, thanks very much. And if you can put uh, Mike Maloney on the phone, I'd appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Uh, Michael Maloney is archivist and librarian at the Schenectady County Historical Society. Are you there, Michael? Yes, I am. And I understand that one of that one of your interests or, or your role there has to do with genealogy. Uh, yes, it is. We have a great genealogy collection at the library, and uh, looks like a uh, genealogy day coming up on October third. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you do on genealogy day? On Genealogy Day, we have uh, four speakers coming in, and they talk about a, a variety of uh, uh, topics on genealogy. Uh, we are going to have uh, Craig Carlson, who's a deputy county clerk at the Albany County Hall of Records, and he's uh, going to talk about uh, what genealogical resources, resources they have there. Um, we have a professional, professional genealogist named Lisa Doherty, uh, who has been active in tracing the history of her own family and many others for about 20 years. So she has a lot of experience with that, and she's going to be talking about um, brick walls in genealogy, because eventually you're going to get to a point where uh, the records kind of dry up and you're having trouble finding any more, in, an, any more information on your ancestors. Mm. And um, so she's going to, be, going to be talking about how to break through that brick wall. Mm -hmm. um, we also have, uh, uh, go ahead. Sorry. So we also have uh, John Thomas McGuire, and he's an attorney who's going to be talking about um, how to use death records and estate records uh, for genealogical purposes, and Stephanie Barrett from the New York State Library who's talking about uh, genealogical resources at the State Library. Mm -hmm. are, are you a genealogist yourself, Michael? Uh, I am not. I am uh, very interested in it, and um, yeah, one of my duties is to help people with uh, genealogy. Um, oh. And uh, our library has uh, church records, uh, census records. Uh, we have a family file, which is, has uh, genealogical records um, from various families in Schenectady. Um, so that's one of my main duties. We do get a lot of genealogists and uh, people researching family history into the library. Yeah, you mentioned, um, or I figured that would be the case, that you'd have a lot of people uh, that come to you for genealogical research. It's a great interest of the folks. Um, and, and I wonder why. Why is it you suppose everybody, not everybody, but people are fascinated with it? I mean, they've even made a television program about it. The, the name now eludes me, <laughs> but, uh, you know, where they would look at the roots of uh, celebrities. Right, yeah. Yeah, there, there's been a few of them on, in the past few years, and I think people really like to uh, just be more connected to their ancestors and how they lived. Um, we get people coming in that have, um, you know, ancestors that have been in Schenectady since, you know, the 1600s, and they're really trying to figure out how they lived and um, and what their family life was like. Mm. And as you uh, allude to there, Schenectady in particular has been uh, European settled, if you will, for for a long time, like from the 1600s. Right. Yes. Um, yeah. So. Uh, People are really trying to uh, you know, connect with those ancestors, whether they're whether they 
you know, immigrated from the Netherlands in the 1600s or if they immigrated from Germany or Italy or Poland in the uh, late 1800s or early 1900s. Mm. What uh, geographical area does your uh, library cover for genealogy? Uh, we cover Schenectady County mainly, but we also have uh, books and uh, family histories from New York State in general. And we also have uh, history books that try and connect uh, the genealogy to a larger history and put that kind of in context. Mm. I had the pleasure of talking to the Capital District Genealogical uh, Society earlier uh, this year, and they're, they're a real uh, hard-working bunch, and as uh, you indicated with the conference, you're having uh, different uh, things that'll happen, you know, you run in, in, into a, a brick wall and so forth. It, it takes a, a, you know, a great, I don't know, a great deal of application, I would say, uh, to uh, to work on genealogical research. It really does. It can, like, you can really run into some uh, serious problems sometimes. I had someone come in last week who, um, whose last name was spelled completely differently than he thought it was um, in the records from the 1800s. And uh, something like that can completely derail your search because you're looking for one certain spelling of a name. And then it turns out that they spelled it a completely different way. So something like that can just completely, um, you know, cause a problem for you. And today we have the uh, internet. I mean, um, how does that how does that work? I mean, is, has that um, taken precedence over, let's say, libraries as, uh, such as the one that that you work at? I don't think so. It's a great resource, but it's not the only resource. Um, something like Ancestry, there's a ton of information on that, and if you're just using Ancestry to uh, get that information, um, I think you're going to run into uh, some problems later on. As there's, um, it's also very user-based, so whatever someone puts on there, uh, you're not sure exactly how valid that information is. So I think you have to go to the uh, primary sources sometimes to uh, get the information that you need. Yes, you're right. I mean, there's that kind of inaccuracy factor. And you were talking about one of the speakers, I think, discussing use of, of certain primary sources. Um, that's really key. Is, or is that key? I mean, finding um, information that, uh, I don't know if it's irrefutable, but, you know, has a good uh, shot at that. Right, yeah, definitely. It's uh, using uh, resources like uh, baptism records, marriage records, um, burial records, uh, along with city directories, all those can uh, be a great help to your research. Mm. And um, there's a certain, um, I don't know what, it's, it's almost like a hunt when th things are going well, right? I mean, you're finding one thing and you're finding another. Oh, it is, yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of amazing to see someone uh, or to help someone uh, find information that they really need. And, uh, you know, you see their eyes light up, and they're just extremely happy finding that piece of information that they've been looking for for, you know, possibly years. Yeah. Well, now, somebody who's researching their family, uh, researching family history, what, what will they do with the information? I mean, do they write books, or do they just make these charts with who's uh, descended from whom? Yeah, some of them write books. A lot of them uh, just, just keep it for their uh, records and to have for future generations. Um, which is uh, important because uh, then, you know, future generations won't have to work as hard as they did. 
Mm-hmm. Well, uh, thank you uh, for joining us, Michael Maloney. What are the hours that, uh, and, and you're at the Grems Doolittle Library, is that correct? Yes, and yeah, we're connected right to the, uh, the building at uh, 32 Washington. In the, in the stockade. And w- right. when are you open during the week or uh, regular hours? What are they? We're open 9 to 5, Monday through fri- Friday, and 10 to 2 on Saturday. Well, thank you, Mike. And if you could put Caitlin on the phone, I'd appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, that's Michael Maloney, archivist and librarian at the Schenectady County Historical Society. Now it's a pleasure to welcome the assistant curator, Caitlin Morton-Bentley. Hello, Caitlin. Hello, how are you? Okay. Now, um, Mary Zawacki said, among other things, uh, you can tell us about candlelight tours uh, in the stockade, which I imagine are always popular. Yes, they are. We did them for the first time last year, um, and we did this in combination with the Schenectady Heritage Foundation, and they were very successful last year, so we're offering them again this year. And this year we'll be having even more tours. Uh, We'll be having them every Friday night in October, and we're offering two different kinds of tours. We're offering the Colonial Tour, which is similar to what we did last year, and a new Victorian tour, which is going to require a little bit more walking, and it's going to talk about some 19th century stories and uh, take you to further reaches of the stockade than we did last year. Mm. I have gone on several uh, stockade tours. I remember one called, it's such a fascinating place, in this old uh, settlement of houses uh, by the river in Schenectady. I remember one, I think, was about hidden gardens. I mean, there, it, was, it was just a revelation to me. You know, I'd lived here by then like 25 years. I had no idea that these, there were these beautiful gardens behind the houses. Absolutely. Well, it's such an old neighborhood. There's just so much history there. So many different kinds of people have lived there. So many different things have happened there. So when you really dig into it, it's amazing the stories that have happened in the same places. So we're able to offer such different tours uh, because there's so much material to work with. You could never say everything in one tour. So the candlelight walking tours are, are really fun because they're a chance to get out there after dark and to learn about some of the folklore stories and um, stories that have been passed along. And uh, so we have stories that have been recorded and also stories from people who live there now who are you know, maybe seeing things or hearing things. And um, it's a fun way to get into the spirit of the season while also learning a lot about the history of the stockade neighborhood as well. Are we talking ghost stories here, Caitlin? Um, some of them are stories about spirits, yes, that have been handed down. Um, some of them are stories about actual events that definitely took place. Um, we have some stories about things like, uh, for example, there was one house where they actually unburied a skeleton under the front steps. Um, so that was something that was definitely documented, definitely happened, and certainly uh, the Schenectady Massacre that Mary talked about was a, a very spooky event, um, and one kind of wonders if there may be spirits lingering around from that. So uh, it's, it's a great tour that talks a lot about the history and stories that have been pass, passed along, and... Um, you know, everyone uh, gets into it and kind of takes out of it what they will. And we always keep people to tell people to keep their eyes out in case they see any spirits or hear anything. You never know. Mm-hmm. Now, it sounds, if I understood you correctly, you do two kinds of tours or two themes. One, the colonial era, but the other, the Victorian era, which maybe uh, that fact that you can do these two tours uh, speaks to the longevity of the stockade as a desirable neighborhood. Absolutely. I mean, there have been people living here for hundreds of years, so a lot of things happened, uh, you know, around when uh, the stockade was first established, and then we have 
Um, certainly after, you know, we had the Great Fire, which destroyed a lot of the businesses downtown, so then it became much more of a neighborhood in the 19th century. So now we have less businesses, we have more people living here. Um, so we still have a lot of stories from, from that time, too. And we have some stories, you know, the houses are getting bigger, and now we have mansions. And um, so we have some great stories about, you know, servants uh, trying to feed their, their rich families and the, the cutlery is getting pulled out of their hands. We have some great stories from the uh, Mohawk Club, which is where the Stockade Inn is now. It used to be the Mohawk Club. And we have some stories about elevators going up and down on their own without people inside them. And, um, you know, it, it's just kind of stories that are interesting um, that are linked to the past, certainly. And uh, it's very fun to walk around the neighborhood at night because everything looks different after dark. Um, and, of course, we didn't have electricity in the stockade for a very long time. So we're seeing these houses that they, they would have been seen most of the time, um, you know, without, without a lot of things to uh, brighten them up. So it's definitely an, an interesting tour. And uh, after the tour, everyone's invited to the museum to take a look at our exhibits here and also to talk about what they learned about and share any ghost stories that they might have as well. Very good. And also uh, something you, you said hit home, uh, that at one time, I guess I hadn't thought about that, uh, at one time, the stockade was it. I mean, when the stockade was burned, that was Schenectady. And, but at some point, it just it became a neighborhood as opposed to everything sort of lost a lot of the businesses it used to have. Absolutely, yes. There used to be um, a lot. There were brewmaking businesses down here and all sorts of things, especially right down by the water. Um, but when we had the Great Fire at the beginning of the 19th century, um, that meant they really need to rebuild. It destroyed a lot of the houses and the businesses. And then, of course, we have the Erie Canal, um, which is you know, where Erie Boulevard is now. Uh, so people wanted to build their businesses closer to the canal, outside of Stockade. So uh, the Stockade really became more residential, whereas initially, yeah, that was, that was it. That was Schenectady. That was the industrial center, the economic center. Um, so then we see that kind of moving out of the Stockade which I think in the long run was uh, beneficial to us because it means that we have all these lovely houses, you know, that haven't been done over and uh, remade, like industrial areas tend to be. Uh, so we're able to see all this great architecture and really be able to incorporate that into our educational tours. Was, is it true there was kind of a low point in the stockade, I want to say in the, in the 60s, which I remember I, one of my aunts lived in the stockade. It, it, uh, was getting more run down, and, and then something happened to sort of reverse that. I think uh, Saki was uh, sort of establishing itself, trying to figure out, um, you know, since it wasn't really a center as much of uh, industry, and also the population changed a lot in Schenectady in the 1960s. Um, you know, we have GE leaving and Alcove. So there were less people living there. Um, there was a school there for a while. I think the school shut down around that time. Um, but, of course, you know, we have the founding of things like the Stockade Association that they decided, you know, we want to make this a great historic neighborhood. So I think then they kind of focused on making it a uh, community. And so, you know, they've got the art show and they've got the um, Stockade Walkabout, which is the last Saturday in September. So um, I think they really kind of tried to turn around and make it into a, a community place, um, you know, to, to be proud of. And uh, the Heritage Foundation helps people to restore their homes. So there's a lot, of, a lot of pride in the Stockade because it's a very, very unique place, absolutely, and it's a, it's a beautiful place, too. Caitlin Morton uh, Bentley is Assistant Curator of uh, the Connecticut County Historical Society. Thank you, Caitlin, unless there's something you'd like to add now. Oh, just um, if you're interested in uh, coming on the Candlelight Walking Tours, we're asking that people purchase their tickets in advance 
And if you go to our website, schenectadyhistorical.org, and look up Walking Tours, you can buy tickets online, or you can always call in, or you can come in person. Um, and I advise you to buy tickets soon because they tend to fill up fast. Well, thank you, Caitlin. Caitlin Morton Bentley, one of our guests. Also, we spoke with Michael Maloney, archivist and librarian, and Mary Zawacki, who is curator of the Schenectady County Historical Society, bringing to life the region's dynamic history at the Maybe Farm historic site in Rotterdam Junction and the Grimm's Doolittle Library and the Schenectady History Museum in the historic Stockade District of Schenectady. You've been listening to the Historian's Podcast. This is Bob Cudmore.